Today is the day of the Lord. Let's be glad and rejoice in it. Good evening, everybody. So, do we believe in Jesus? Do we believe in the redemptive plan? Do we believe he's right on schedule? I do. Amen. Do we, do we really believe that he's in all authority? He's sitting right now in all authority and control of everything that's going on? At the right hand of God? Do we put our faith and our trust in him? Do we have that peace that passes all understanding? Well, tonight we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 36. Uh, we were there kind of last time. Uh, and... A once-in-a-lifetime miracle, I would say, what's taken place. And, and I think about miracles. I think of so many miracles. I think of the, the miracle of the, a baby being conceived in the, in the mother's womb, the, the mother and father, and just coming together. That, that to me, is a miracle. I, I think when I planted my seeds for my garden, I planted that eensy-teensy little seed that it sat in an envelope and... I planted it in the ground, and I, I watched it grow. I know there's probably some scientists that could explain that. But I think there are some miracles that we are just, we couldn't, ex we, we, we try our best to explain it, but we can't recreate it. If I were to see this world being created, I, I could try to explain it to you, but I, I couldn't do it. Uh, there's just certain miracles that, happen, and I think it's just, it's even hard to explain them. I would just like to open us in a, a word of prayer, and, and uh, I'm, what I'm going to do is just, I'm just going to simply pray uh, scripture back to God. Let's, let's pray God's word back to him, and ask for the help that he can help lead and guide me, and in help lead and guide every, every one of you, beloved. Uh, first, uh, first of all, Thessalonians, at the uh, end of chapter 5, I'm going to pray that for us in a prayer. Our Father and our God, full of grace and mercy and love, Father, we just come to you today. We just lay all of our troubles and our heavy hearts, Father. We, we look at your scripture today and, and we, we pray it back to you, Father. But we ask of you, brothers, that you know those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you, and that you regard them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the prophecies, but examine all things. 
Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every evil form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all brothers with a holy kiss. I implore you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Like I said, we're in Acts. I'm going to, instead of just springboard off of Acts and go to the Old Testament, I'm, I'm going to try to stay focused on the, uh, the second chapter of Acts. We're just going to begin to read through it and kind of talk about it as we, as we go through it. The second chapter of Acts. And by the way, I st I'm talking about God's redemptive plan, Jesus' redemptive plan. He, he's right on time. His schedule's perfect. He's in control. All these things are taking place. There's this timeline, and they're all taking place. So here we go. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I would like for us just to think of that for a minute. At the day of Pentecost, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, after they were gathered around and they'd seen Jesus being raised up, and the two men in the white robe says, what are you looking at to them? And Jesus is in heaven, and he's, all authority has been given to him. He's at the right hand of God. And he told all them to go back. He says, go back and, and wait, because the promise was going to be fulfilled. To go back and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. They're, they're gathered together, and we hear this rushing. It says it's like a sound of a rushing wind, and I thought of a hurricane or a tornado, just a, a thrashing wind that was coming. You hear it. I think of uh, John chapter 3 with Nicodemus where he, he's, he's talking about how the Holy Spirit, we, we can't see it, but it moves like the wind. I can't see the wind move, but I see the trees moving. And I can hear the effects of the wind. Uh, so here I see, now what's not happening is, Everybody's hair is not blown back like they're going 100 mile an hour on a jet because the wind's rushing through. But it says, like the sound of this wind. This force that come upon at this time because of this promise, it was going to be fulfilled that these souls, God's elect was going to, the Holy Spirit was going to come down upon them. So there was numbers of, numbers of them that were going to be receiving the Holy Spirit. They believed they believed all the miracles of Jesus. Their souls were regenerated. And they were waiting for that Holy Spirit. And at this time, it's, it's an absolute miracle which takes place. And I, I think we should look at the Scripture as this miracle is unfolding and taking place. Not try to add to the Scriptures to, for our own agenda, our own purposes. But what, what is it saying as the whole, in the whole context as we read through it? 
I hear this, this sound coming through like the wind. They're gathered together, all of them together. They were told to go there and wait. And as we'll read, we, we know that they, they come from all the nations, all over the place. All the believers had come and gathered together. They spoke different languages. They spoke Aramaic. They spoke Greek. They spoke Latin. They spoke Parthian. There were so many people that came from all over. And that noise came like a violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I, I, I struggle with the whole house. I, I don't know how all these people fit in that house. And, and I'm sorry I haven't done more research on that. But sometimes we just got to keep going through. Uh, and there appeared to them tongues like fire dis distributing themselves. And they rested on each of them. Now, here again. I, I, I don't think it's saying, it's a giving us a word picture here. So I, I don't think little, little flames were coming across the room. And I seen them flames on Logan's shoulder and all these flames. I think it's somebody trying to explain a miracle. How do you explain a miracle? How do you explain such a force? First we hear this sound, and then it's saying that there appeared to them tongues like fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. These tongues, too. So now we're talking about speaking as a fire. You know, oftentimes uh, there was a great theologian, uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, theology on fire. Now, was Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he was preaching, was he on fire? No. When I listen to my brother go so deep, Logan, he, he, he goes so deep theologically, it sounds like he's on fire. The, 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 the Word of God is coming out. This is a miracle now where we have the Holy Spirit coming upon all these people in this room, and it's all happening at one time. I don't, I don't believe it was a physical little flames it was the tongues. It was God's word being proclaimed. An absolute miracle taking place here. A once-in-a-lifetime miracle. This will never happen again. Jesus came. He lived His life. He lived a sinless life. He died on that cross. He rose from the dead. He sent the Spirit for those at that time to receive it, and for all of us. And by the way, this book still continues on with God's redemptive history to this day. Still continuing on. But this was the start of it. The absolute miracle. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now at that point, so the loud rushing wind, the Spirit was like tongues of fire, just come upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. They began to speak in other languages. And we know, as we're going to read on, it was the Galileans. I thought them were Galileans. I didn't know they were from all these other... I didn't know they were the Medes or the Elamites or... From Mesopotamia or Judea, Judah, Judah or Cappadocia or Pontus or Asia or Egypt. 
Them are all Galileans. They're speaking all these different languages. They're professing God's Word. Just an absolute miracle. Who were these Galileans? Well, I got a pretty good idea. I got a pretty good idea. I think we should just go to the, the book of John. And uh, let's just see who these Galileans were. It'll only take us a second. Uh, if I can find the, my marking here. So, in the book of John, there's this time after John the Baptist is, is separated, Jesus now has to grow. He's going to grow. John the Baptist is shrinking. Jesus is growing. And this is how Jesus picks up his disciples. On the next day, in John uh, chapter... 1, verse 35, I'm starting. On the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, John the Baptist, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And two disciples heard him speak and followed Jesus. And when they, Jesus turned and noticed them following, he said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about the tenth hour. One of the, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. When Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. On the next day, he desired to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida in the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said, said about him, Behold, truly, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, From where do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree? Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So these were... These were all just fishermen around the Sea of Galilee, these different towns. And remember, we started our, our series off, and we, we talked about how God chooses. He didn't come and choose the 
most analytical or the highest people in the religious descent, he, he chose the fishermen of these villages predestined, predetermined, and chose them to be with him. And here they are now, at this time, being filled with the Spirit. So that, that's the Galileans. That when we, we, I want, to, want you to picture that in your mind. These men, these Galileans, as we read on, And they were, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. All the different languages of all the different people there. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from, from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. And, they, and, which, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So now, they begin to hear their own language, God's word being prophesied to them in their own language. Now, was God giving the Holy Spirit, giving them uh, uh, understanding? Or was the Galileans actually speaking in their language? But it was, it, was, it was a miracle. Either way, it was, they was understanding God's word, the prophecy of God. This day, today, is being fulfilled. All of the Old Testament is coming to a culmination point. is leading up from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant promise, which is unfolding right now in front of their very eyes. So they were astonished and marveled, saying, Behold, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And that's what led me to believe it was probably most of them were his disciples. Uh, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, uh, and Judas, uh, the son of uh, James, not Iscariot. When he was maybe been there too, we don't like to give him much air time. The Galileans professing in different languages. Just fishermen. They were astonished. These people were astonished. And, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language in which we were born? The Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and uh, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Perga. Egypt, I missed one, Libya, Libya, around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. The proselytes were, uh, were once uh, the Gentiles that were going through to, be, to become Jews, the Judaism, to try to make it to God. They had to go to a mikvah and do their circumcision and these different things. That was the way to God. They were cut off from God. But at this point, this is the point now where the New Testament where we're not all of Adam, all of Abram's seed were not his seed. And the, we get grafted in as believers to the, the same promise of Abram. And they all continued to, in astonishment 
and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? The thrashing of the noise, the filling of the Spirit, they're hearing the God's Word, prop, prop, Old Testament prophecy being spoken to them. What does this mean? But others were mocking, were saying, They are full of new wine. That almost sounds like CNN and the, the liberals uh, talking about the new Speaker of the House on you know how he he how this man uh, he he lives his life through the lens of God and that's how he decides to live his life and and you would hear people talk about he oh he's this radical extremist and our whole country and foundation was formed on a Judeo-Christian belief system in God how can we make fun of that? This, them are the same types of people. And by the way, that's our mission field. We pray for you. We pray for them. We pray that it's not them that we battle against the flesh and blood, but it's the, it's the owners of the corporations of the news medias and these different outlets that you're only going to work for them if you preach this tune. It's the ideology. It's the thought processes. But that's, I'm chasing a rabbit on there. It just, it just made me think of that. I got to shut the news off. But there were people there mocking. They were saying they must be drunk on full of wine. Now here's Peter. But Peter, taking his stand with the leaven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, Joel, we believe, scholars believe, that this was 835 B.C. before Christ was born. That This is a prophetic prophecy that was spoken that's unfolding right now. It's, it's, it's taking place in what I call the miracle age. The transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. And it says... And it shall be in the last days, God says. Now, what are these last days? Now, some people, and I used to believe that this is end-time prophecy. That's the end of the world that we're talking about here. But let's read it in the context and what's taking place. This is an absolute miracle what's taking place. It was in the last days of the old covenant, and it's going to be the beginning days of the new covenant. And it shall be when? In the last days. What does it say? God says what? That he will pour out my spirit on all mankind. That was the pouring of the Holy Spirit. The rushing of the wind so loud. It looked like fire on the, resting upon people speaking in tongues. It was theology on fire. It was 10,000 Martin Lloyd-Jones preaching the gospel and prophesying the word like you never heard before. And it was just, an, just, just an, that's what the Spirit was pouring out on them. And is being, continue being poured out on mankind throughout redemptive history to this very day. But this was taking place right then. This is when it got poured out. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Well, what's this about this prophecy? Well, it says in, if we read, there was a man by the name of Philip later in the book of Acts that we would read that Philip, who their work had gotten overburdened and they... they 
chose seven. Stephen was the first one, then Philip, and then there was five more that were chosen. Well, Philip had four daughters that were unmarried, and they were prophesying. Now, that didn't say that they all had their own church and they had authority over men. They were prophesying at this time, fulfilling them, saying that this time and this place and this time, this miracle was taking place right then. Joel's Old Testament was being fulfilled at that time and place, through this, this time. And your old men shall dream, even on, on, even on my male slaves and female slaves. I will in those days pour out my spirit. And it's pouring out the spirit. And we, we find another gentleman prophesied as the spirit's being poured out on him. In Acts chapter 11, verse uh, 28, and, and one of them named Agabus stood up and indicated by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine all over the world, and this took place in the region of Claudius. And this same was prophesizing, same man was prophesizing. And he also said that, and as we were, were staying there, and this is chapter 21, and this is going to be talking about Paul, his capture. And as we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judah. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. This is prophecy taking place at this time, these different people. And by the way, Paul says, being, as a side note, being imprisoned, captured, is nothing to me. I'm willing to die. He's, he, he, to live is for Jesus and to die is gain. And that was Paul's attitude. When they were all crying and weeping, saying, oh, this is going to happen to you, Paul says, don't you worry. Do, do, do we put our trust in God? Do we put that trust that he's the sovereign God, that we have this peace that passes all understanding, like Paul did, even in troubled times that we look around us? I will put wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great awesome day of our Lord. Now, last message, when we, it went dark, when the curtain was torn rant, it went completely dark, there was a blood moon, we found that, that the saints of old were coming out of the tombs, out of the graves, marching through the city. This was, this, this was an absolute miracle time. This prophecy that Joel was stating was taking place, unfolding right now at the present time in, in this scene. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
Now this is a very important, and it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, we've been grafted in the Gentiles, all nations, all people have been grafted in. We don't have to go up to the temple and have a sacrifice. We, we have Jesus Christ as our living sacrifice for all times, for all people, to cry on the name of the Lord. We believe in our hearts and profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. And see, this was a part of the whole miracles that Jesus performed he made the, the dead to live again, Lazarus. He made a blind man see. He made the lame man walk. There were so many miracles and so many things that Jesus had did, we, we couldn't put it in. There's not enough books that we could put it in. And that was to prove that he was God incarnate, that he was, that when he was God that manifested himself in the form of his creation to come into this life, his redemptive plan because of our fallen nature, and this was his proof. It's documented. It's written. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon all those who believe. The Holy Spirit is still abstaining and holding this world on its access. Jesus is at the right hand of God and all authority has been given to him. Now here's a question for all of us. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered over by predetermined plan and foreknowledge. Predetermined plan and foreknowledge that God had predetermined this in his foreknowledge what exactly was going to take place. Beloved, just like God predestined me before the foundation in the world to be in him, that I can stand holy and blameless before an all-righteous God. This is, God does not make his word complicated. We, we want to complicate things. We want to add to things. It's very simple. We're all deserving to go to hell. We have a fallen nature in us. And we have to, we believe, have faith in what's being read here tonight, what you're hearing through the Holy Spirit. So the big question is, is we're just going to keep going on here now. And it's, it's, it, very, it grabbed my heart when I read this. Because when I read this, I'm going to change your word. And it says, God, and it says, the foreknowledge of God. You nailed to a cross by the hands of lawless men and put him to death. Who? Did you, to the religious community. But is that you? You know who I replaced that you with? I ask a question, who? Me. You, beloved. We, we nailed the spikes in Jesus' hand. 
We did it because of our sins and our transgressions. Our God had came and manifested himself in the form of his creation for you, me, and all those who cry out to the name of the Lord and believe. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held its power. And the redemptive plan of God was started back right after the fall of man in Genesis when, when God said that Satan will bruise the heel of Jesus and then Jesus will bruise the head of Satan it was a death blow to Satan at that time. He, they bound him. He, has no, he doesn't have the, the, the power and authority that a lot of people want to tell you he has. We still have our fallen nature. He's still the prince in power to air. He's still behind these news medias and governments and false religions. But he doesn't have the he doesn't have the authority over me no more because I stand in the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness has been defeated. He killed it. He gave him the death blow. And all things are going to be put under subjection to our Lord Jesus Christ until his second coming. And then when he comes back again, all kingdoms, all nations, one day when they wake up just like the new speaker of the house and other people, and we decide and we say as filled Christians, we ain't having it no more. Jesus is king. We're looking at the Bible. We're going to live our lives according to the Bible. And that's how it's going to be. Just like the Puritans came to this country and says, this is a Christian nation. This is how we're going to leave live we're going to base our constitution on god's word all it takes is for a change of heart and we pray here every week for god to change the hearts and minds of the evil leaders of the stubborn people change your hearts change your mind there's going to be judgment stand up today for your children and your grandchildren proclaim the truth of god now is the time jesus comes back there's not going to be the battle that you think there's going to be. You're not going to be fighting alongside of Michael the archangel. The battle's right now. He's given all authority to Jesus and has given it to us to stand up for his word, to proclaim his word, to preach his word. And there's so much power in that. I don't need to have to speak in gibberish in different tongues and, and try to heal someone over there. All I need to do is speak the truth of God's word and say, stand up. If you're a man, stand up. You are the leader of your family. It's time to stand up for God. And it doesn't matter. To live is for Jesus. To die is gain. That's what's taking place here. Why? Because I killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. Your sins did it. We're fallen. And that's all there is to it. And all you got to do is humble yourself and call out on the name of the Lord. And he will, he will just raise us up. There will be blessing after blessing be poured out upon you. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of your life. You too, brethren. Every day of your life, surely and goodness and mercy will fall upon you. The grace of God will fall upon you. When you believe every word He says, you proclaim His word. That Spirit will fall upon you. Goodness will come upon you. Speak up. Be that one. Be that one in Congress to speak up. And say that we're all here at this given time, anointed to this position for God in His redemptive work. It is just, this is just a miracle that God has come and done this for us, beloved. The God that you nailed to the cross. But God raised Him up again, 
putting the end to agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. So, for David said to him, I saw the Lord continually before me because he is at the right hand so that I will not be shaken. Now here's Peter. He'd become this, this fisherman, became this old-time prof, prophet, this old-time scholar that he's, he's just reading this text. And all the other Galileans, too, were preaching the same thing. This is taking place. This is the written word of God taking place that's going on right now. And this is Peter's message. And he's, now he's reciting David. Because he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not forsake my soul to Hades, nor give your Holy One over to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. This is David's assurance and his hope in this living God, the same living God that you have, beloved. Then it goes, then Peter goes on to say, Men and brothers, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to set one of the fruit of his body on his throne. Jesus to sit on his throne, the fruit of the body. This Jesus, God raised up again to which we, we are all witnesses. They all witnessed this right there before Pentecost. They all witnessed Jesus being raised up, lived, miracles raised up, the filling of the Holy Spirit. What a glorious time. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, where he sits right now today in all authority, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this, which you both see and hear. Peter, talking David, old old prophecy, the Spirit being filled out right now that day. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Sit at my right hand. Jesus is sitting and he's going to sit there until he puts the enemies underneath his feet as a footstool, his enemies. Right, the battle's right now, beloved Christians. It's right now. You know, get engaged. I don't know what we're waiting for. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified, who I crucified. Now, I just, just want to say, uh, as we get ready to wrap things up here, as I said, profess with your mouth, proclaim Jesus as Lord, call on the name of the Lord for your salvation, but there's, there's a little bit more to this, brother. Like 
What, what is that, John? Well, let me tell you what that is. He tells them, we ask, well, what should I do, John? What, should, what more do we got to do? What, what should I do? And Peter said to them, he says, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, there's something that comes along with this. We have to acknowledge our sin nature. We have to acknowledge our depravity. We have to repent. There has to be a turning in our ways when we call on the name of the Lord. We just can't have a a no lordship theology where we take call on the name of the Lord and we're taking the ticket to heaven, but we continue to live in our sin every day of our life and we make excuses for whatever reason we make excuses because we love our sin more than we love God. We exchange the truth of God's word for a lie. We must repent. Jesus never affirmed sinful behavior. He's, yes, he sat with the tax collector, the prostitute, the sinners. Well, such were some of you. But he says, go therefore and sin no more. May the Holy Spirit rest upon you. And beloved, and beloved and Christian, you know this, that when the Holy Spirit rests upon you, you're able to abstain from the sins that you once enjoyed so much, that you thought you were enjoying. You know that you can abstain from that more because today we love God's word more than we loved our sin. So we must repent. Call out to the name of the Lord. And what a beautiful miracle. And this miracle, this is the miracle that's playing out today. It's, it's not that I can speak a different language because I can barely speak the English language. It's not that I can heal somebody, a complete healing, to try to show you that what I'm saying is real. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in me that's more powerful than all the world. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead resides in me, resides in you, beloved. And we must proclaim the truth of God's word accurately. We're not to add one dot, not one jittle, but to read his word and pray. And my last message maybe i was lacking faith in god's word that what it can be what can happen by just just reading and proclaiming the truth of god's word uh and i and i'm sorry for that and uh let let us just go to the lord in prayer and i just thank everybody for being here tonight uh, our our father and and our god so full of grace and mercy with your redemptive plan before the foundation of the world that have set in place this redemptive plan to be able to come in the form of your creation to take on my sins, the sins of your chosen people, the ones that you set apart, the ones that you chosen, that you came and you died for our sins. And you filled us with the Spirit, filling us with the Spirit, Continue filling us with the Spirit that we may walk anywhere in this world proclaiming the truth of God, the power in the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, nothing came in being. He was the light and life of the world, but the darkness could not 
overcome. We thank you for that Holy Spirit, that word that's come into us, into our lives, that the darkness cannot overcome. It's just the word, the word alone. It's just not just the Lord word it's the word the word that spoke things into existence the thing that the word that will speak things out of existence the things that will sustain our everyday lives the things that will put all things under subjection and submission to jesus christ king our lord will be the word your word thank you for that word father in jesus name we pray amen